It's a brand new episode of the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred, and we recorded this at the uh, Oasis Cafe. As a matter of fact, I'm still sitting here. Our guest was uh, Steve Williams. Uh, He just got up. Steve Williams, legendary uh, jazz host uh, of the nighttime jazz show on KUER, who's retiring soon. Uh, But we had a great conversation with Steve. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, It's it's, uh, been a long day for me. It's now uh, just about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and uh, I'm, Steve is usually getting home from... Steve gets home... You'll find out about this. Steve and I have absolutely opposite schedules. I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, um, start my work day. I get up and I... Here, here's exactly how I start my work day. My alarm goes off at 3 o'clock. I roll out of bed. I go in the bathroom and I sit down for a few minutes just to see if anything will happen you know <laughs> just sit there for a few minutes to see if anything will happen and i look at my phone you know to see okay what's my schedule today and look at and that takes that's maybe five or six minutes and i go well nothing's happening so i go upstairs and i start to work on the computer and i do that until five o'clock in the morning well you see steve williams he starts his show at kuer at at night uh, at uh, eight o'clock at night. Well, I think, but yeah, I think you're, Steve there is up there at seven o'clock because there's a, a rebroadcast of the uh, 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 Radio West with Doug and and Steve has to sit there for an hour going. Uh, we can't take your phone calls now because this is a rebroadcast. And, uh, I, I don't know why they make him sit there and do that, but they, they and then he's. But then at eight o'clock he starts the jazz show, and then that's and that goes all night. And so Steve is getting home just as I'm getting up in the morning. That's weird, isn't it? You'll hear all about that on this episode of the Let's Go Eat Show, and you'll hear about uh, legendary jazz musicians, and you'll hear about maybe how to appreciate jazz and and why jazz is important. And uh, you're going to hear some goddamn good stories from a goddamn good storyteller. So, here it is, the Let's Go Eat Show with Steve Williams, Steve Daddio Williams. Correct me, I'm going to, I'll hurry up and do this so we can get going on this. I'm sorry to keep you guys waiting, Jesus. Well, have a few more slurps of soup, and we're going to uh, make you talk while you eat. Mm-mm. I'll move it over here. They can no, eat. no, you can no, no. Go, go ahead, then the eat. eat. It's called the Let's Go Eat Show. That's why we do it. So you can eat and talk at the same time. Well, what, let, let's, let's go ahead. Let's start. And I'll, well, we're, we're good. You can just keep. You, you just keep. I, I will, but I'm going to be able to. Keep, keep your bowl there. Okay, I will. And feel free. To slurp your coffee and slurp your soup. Um, just feel free to do that. Uh, anytime, anytime I ask a long-winded question, you can take. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but, uh, you or take a bite while you're. I don't want it to go on. Yeah, no, no. Just do that. Just do that. Put on your headphones so you know what's going. You probably hear me slurp enough. Yeah. Well, you can hear yourself slurp. It's okay. Now we, yeah, and we can. Uh, the, are those the adjustable ones? Those are good. Yeah, and uh, you, uh, you know how to use the headphones because you're a radio guy. You didn't, uh, Steve. Wait a minute, let me. Uh, um, 
Are you are you getting some some sound out of them? You got? Are they working? Good. Let's see. No. You're no sound. Let's make I'm sure. I'm afraid to put them on. Yeah. So I know I just yeah, because he doesn't want to. I've been jilted. jilted. Yeah, uh, can you hear? Are you hearing anything? They sometimes they're weird, and you'll only get it out of one you. ear. Yes. Are they good? Can you hear him? Yeah. Oh, right, yeah everything's good. That's better. We're all right. Just turn down just a teeny just, bit. I finally got it. Yeah. There you go. Is that good? How's that? How Is are that we good? now? Good. 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 Oh, look at that. He's just. I, maybe we should give him. You know what? Yeah. I don't think I have a right side here. Uh, here, let's give him. You want to give him yours? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have both. I've I have got both. both. I got both. Let me do this. Take them off for a second. Take them off because we don't want to blow out your uh, e- eardrums. And Watch your, getting your cord on your. No, we don't. Wallet. Listen again. This is all stolen equipment, Steve. We just don't. Okay, care. now try. Now put them on. This is all. Is that, you got both ears now. Both ears. Both ears. Are you? Are you? Yeah. Are you sure? Loud. Are you right. sure you're not deaf in one okay. ear and just now figuring no, it one, out? One of them. One of them was. You, than you got a short. Yeah. Steve has very sensitive ears because he's a jazz. Oh my God. He's right. a radio you, professional. I've, I've got tinnitus. Do you really? God, such a bad case. And I'm. I've been to doctors trying to get rid of it. And Check one two. Yeah, and I'm cool. deaf. We're recording. We're going. I'm deaf from being on the radio for so many years with the loud with, uh, headphones. Yeah, 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 they're loud. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, know he's, he's right. It's kind of phased. I mean, I don't care, but it's a little bit phased yeah. from one ear to the other. It doesn't bother me that much. Can we do a sound check? We're recording. You're not going to use this. I want to make sure I'm check, 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 check. Are you good? Part part of the fun is we will use all of this. Oh, this will all be I don't have time to edit this down. Steve Williams. Okay. Steve Williams is our guest on the Let's Go Eat show, and we're recording this at the Oasis Cafe, where so many of our guests like to come. It's, Do they really? Yeah. Uh, we have interviewed Hope Williams from Fox 13. Oh, here. nice. Wood, sat at this very table. Woodside. She's Hope Woodside. Hope Woodside. Yeah, Hope Woodside, yes. I, no, this is Steve Williams. <laughs> we talked to Hope Woodside here. Get him another glass of wine. Yeah. Uh, Hope is a much better looking than you are. Oh, well, I wouldn't argue that. <laughs> uh, Steve Williams, uh, jazz host on KUER for many, many years. How many? I've been uh, working at KUER for 33 years. I, uh, I've been the director for 31. I started off doing weekends in 82. After two years at KRCL. Ah, community-sponsored radio. I was one of the very first guys there. Uh, so with one of the founders, with uh, uh, Steve uh, Steve, Holbrook. Steve Holbrook and those guys? He contacted me. Here's, some, here's my radio story in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I began in 1979. I walked into KUER Radio when they were in the basement of Kingsbury Hall. I was a saxophonist and had been around you know the music all my life, but I wasn't a professional sax. I mean, a, kind, a little bit, but not, much, not like the guys. But... Um, I walked in there and I said, "I know a lot." I, 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 it's they were in a basement of Kingsbury Hall. I mean, mm-hmm. it was quite—it was sure. a small operation. And I said, "You know," I walk in there. I go, um, "I know a lot about jazz music." They had a jazz program there. They had some jazz programming. Mean, I think it was mostly student type thing, mm-hmm. as I recall. But I, I walked in there and I said, "I know a lot about jazz music, but I don't know anything about radio mechanics and that. Do you train people?" Mm-hmm. I think it was Gene Pack I met for the first time, I believe. Gene classical, Pack, who, classical. who for, for years did a classical Forty years show there, on from the KBR. very beginning. Was it, now, was it, was it an, even an NPR no. affiliate back then? Well, 
we were the one of the original sign-ons of NPR. Mm-hmm. So before then, it was you know he was doing classical music. He was a classical music director. Gene had I think had even been the assistant manager or maybe even the manager or something because mm-hmm. he started there in 1960 when the station started. Yeah, yeah. But so I run into Gene Pack. It was during the day. He's, he's you know, and I said I know a lot about jazz music, but I don't know anything about radio. Do you train people? Mm-hmm. And they said, Yeah, we do. We'll call mm-hmm. you in a few weeks. We got a training program going on. And I went. Sure, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. all right. Mm-hmm. So I, I leave. I told my sweetheart, well, at least I got it at least I got it off my chest. I went up there and tried. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from KUER. Hey, we're starting a training program. You want to come up and learn how to do this stuff? I said, sure. And I had work at the time where I could get away and do it. What were you? Now, were you a student at the U no. at the time? No. Um, I Kind of off and on, in, you know, mm-hmm. I, st- I went back to school as an older guy in the music. You're doing music and, and things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I, took, I even took dance classes, t- tap and modern classes. Mm-hmm. And I took theater voice classes and um, some acting classes just as sort of as a, as a non-major kind of thing. Just to kind of, I like the environment of the university. So what was the job you were doing? My dad had a business. And I see you, you have the Triumph Motorcycle t-shirt on because my dad, after being a musician and coming out from New York and trying to exist out here as a, as a musician in a place that you really, isn't, you know, not a lot of people making money at it. You can, but yeah. if you're industrious. Mm-hmm. And uh, he... he um, partnered up with some business guys and we they ended up through businesses first they were the a guy that they partnered up with had his son was the was the bsa motorcycle guy mm. he had bsa motorcycles well they had lambrano motor scooters that was their introduction to two wheels mm-hmm. and bsa motorcycles all the british bikes mm-hmm. indian motorcycles sure, all indian. that they we, just, were the, we were the dealer yeah they just did re, uh, re, just brought indians back recently i saw that yeah. indian matchless mm-hmm. um bsa and royal enfield then the the Japanese bikes came along, yeah. and they picked up Yamaha. Wow. And then the other bikes went mm-hmm. bye-bye. Yeah. And so I, I worked down there. I sort of was an accessory manager. My dad, you know, when you're the son of the boss, you you know, he finds things for you to do. And, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's what I was doing. So I could get away to go do this radio thing and learn. And so I drive up to Kingsbury Hall and do my training. And then so after a couple of months of training, um, they asked me if I want to do a board shift, and which is, you know, like, just run the board. Yeah. And that's what I did. I would come in, and Gene would give me a stack of records. Classic, it was a classical request show. And I, I, and I just ran it. Records. Here, here are the records you are going to play. Yes, and cut one, uh, side two, mm-hmm. um, and his commentary on, on, a, on a reel, I would say, this is Beethoven, then I'd back it out, you know, then I would recue it. That was Beethoven doing it. Everything, did, everything did was you, on pro. Did, did you speak at all? No. No, you played Gene's voice. That, that's right. Yeah, speaking. Yeah. And one time, yeah. one time, the manager and Gene were in there when I was running the show. Mm-hmm. I opened the mic and did a live ID, and they were upset at me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the same, that's exactly how I started in radio, you know, just playing other people's yeah, voices. Right. And, and, the, and the one time I decided to take it upon myself to do the weather, you'd think that, that, that I had ruined the whole goddamn radio station <laughs> forever because I did the weather. It'll be 45 degrees tonight. Now, gee, what did you do? You know, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, our careers parallel a lot. I know you got in '79, also about, or '80. About then, yeah. 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 I mean, you're you know you're younger than me too, so you were a kid when Little you got bit. in. Yeah. yeah. But so, so I'm I'm doing that board shift. I get a call from Stephen Holbrook. He says, "I'm I hear you're the jazz guy." He said, "I'm putting a new radio station together," and I said, "Wow!" I said, "You know," and and I said, "Like." Free, freeform radio like in San Francisco and all that? He says, yeah, yeah. And he goes, I want you to host a Saturday night jazz program for me when we go on the air. And I went, wow. Holy so I started going to the meetings. We we met for once a week. I'm still mm-hmm. maintaining my, it was Monday, like, like about 11 to 2 that I did Gene Show. Mm-hmm. Still doing that. And so, and so I started going to those meetings at the Blue Mouse where we had the meetings for the... Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, upstairs. That's where the place was. Cosmic the, Aeroplane. Yeah, it, uh, the sta- the studio was upstairs from the Blue Mouse. Yeah, and we would meet and talk about what could be programming. You know, what would work here and there. And Smokey Kelsch was one of the guys. Mm. Uh, Michael G. Cavanaugh was one of the guys that Michael came on G., in the rich. Yeah. yeah, one of the original guys. And a few guys like that around. Um, so we went on the air in early December. 1979. I left KUER. It's so so weird. It was New Year's Eve, 1979, December 31st. That was my last day of doing the Gene Pack thing up there. My grandmother happened to have died that same day and was in the... So I'm driving home, and she's at the Salt Lake Regency. My parents are there. That's actually... So this has all happened to me all at one time. And then... Four days later, something like that. No, it wasn't. Wait a minute. Let me see, think here. We'd already gone on the air at, on, in KRCL because we went on in early December. So, but that's when I left the K- KUER thing because mm-hmm. I was doing the both for like a, you know a week mm-hmm. or two. Mm-hmm. And but I went on the first Saturday night with my own show on KRCL. That was my very first time. Kavanaugh was there the night before. And I knew him, so I went in the night before to watch him. I sat behind him, and I and thought, well... He was a pro. Yes, a Michael pro. G, Tell uh, him, had Bill. Michael G. Cavanaugh, when I was a kid, uh, was at KCPX on the AM. We, I don't even, we didn't even have a FM radio stations. Yeah. I was a kid, and I, Michael G. Cavanaugh did an all, overnight show on KCPX, and I walked into my bedroom one time at like 3 o'clock in the morning and heard... <laughs> Who are the brain police? And it's Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. <laughs> Who are the brain police? And it's Michael G. Kavanaugh playing that. And I, and I just went, oh, my Jesus Christ, what is this I'm hearing? And it blew my mind. And I, and I, uh, I whenever I've seen Michael G. Kavanaugh in years I've since, I, saw, I haven't seen him for a year or so. But I say, and I always say, Michael, you you're to blame for me. You know that you're the guy, you're the reason I am the way I am mm-hmm. because of who are the brain police on I the know, radio. I know it. I yeah. listen to it a lot too. I mean, Michael G. Kavanaugh was a legend. Here's a here's this itchy switchy. Kavanaugh, in those days, in the seventies, early seventies, he he comes down to our motorcycle shop, and he wants to buy a motorcycle, a two fifty Yamaha road bike. He'd never ridden before, but he here's the reason he came to our shop. He knew my dad, 
Kavanaugh told me, because my dad did radio briefly. That's another thing he did in, when we moved out here in 52, mm-hmm. 53. Mm-hmm. Call radio, Moondial. He hosted that show for a little bit, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I even got a letter that, such a coincidence, the engineer, the guy that tra- trained me at KUER, had sent a letter to my father at Moondial. I, I, I got it, and there's the guy that trained me. I went, Damn. oh my, what a, what a itchy switchy yeah. here yeah. again. And talking about my dad at, K, at, at uh, Moondial, mm-hmm. a call. Mm-hmm. The studio, remember, was on Main Street, and you walked up the stairs up there, kind of mm-hmm. like by where the Utah Theater was there. Mm-hmm. And so Kavanaugh told me, he says, your dad trained me for radio. Jeez. I went, what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. What, a tr- what a switch here. So, so Kavanaugh had left uh, commercial radio, because he, he was a KCPX, but he also... He worked at uh, in the early yeah. days. Kanak, K- wasn't it? K- he worked at Kanak. I think, he, and then he worked when FM started getting big. I know he had a shift at KRSP and some other places yes, too. Yeah, but yeah. but he kind of yeah. left commercial radio and went well, to che- KRCL. Check this out. I had I had to show Michael G. Kavanaugh how to ride a motorcycle. <laughs> I, he didn't know. We took to, we I rode him up. He got on the back. We rode it up to. West of the football stadium, on you know, on mm-hmm. just south up there, mm-hmm. I'd put him on the bike and say, "Okay, just coast it, just coast down the hill. I want to see how you work the controls. You know, can you balance it? Use a brake and all that stuff. And then we'd start it up and let him ride. I trained him how to, <laughs> showed him how to ride a motorcycle. So when when he start when he became affiliated with KRCL or you know in mm-hmm. that very when we we're in the meetings, and that first night he was on the air, which was the night before me. I'm sitting behind him. That's how he allowed me to be able to come over and and just do that. Mm-hmm. And I watched him, and I thought, wow. I mean, what he was doing, I said, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, watching what Michael G. Kavanaugh is doing, because he was doing things like cueing a, a record up on the air. Okay, here goes the Beatles doing, you know. And he cueing up on the air, yeah. the record. And then, then started, you know. And I, I, la- I was sitting behind him laughing and I thought, and I went on the air the next night. I thought, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing because who's going to care? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I can't make a mistake when I've watched Michael G. Yep. Kavanaugh queuing up records on the air. He's crazy. He was crazy. <laughs> I'd he's love still to, crazy. I'd love to talk to him he's sometime. He's out in Sugar House. So he lives well, he always Sugar has House. been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Same place always. So, so KRCL, and you start doing your very own jazz show, and you and you get to For just two years. spill out your knowledge. For two years. That's jazz. where I got my... I learned the mechanics at KUER. I learned the ropes and my on, you know, getting my act together, as they say. Got my, uh, they gave me the opportunity to get my act together at KRCL. The program was called Jazz City. I called myself the mayor of Jazz City. With a February birthday, you know, all the presidents and all that stuff. I thought, well, the presidents and the mayor of Jazz City's birthday in February. Well, I like that. Now, did you ever call? I saw, I just looked up something about you quickly, and it said Steve Daddio Williams. That's you, another thing. Now, when, when did that come about? And I kind of like that, Daddio. I've always loved that. It's a, an old term. Yeah, I didn't term. make it up. Yeah. You know, it's, I used to call West Bowen Daddio. Mm. It's an old thing, you know. I mean, that's it's a jazz term and all a, 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 a beatnik thing going back to the fifties, you know. Going and, you know you. Yeah, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. And I, it just kind of fit. But then people started, people started calling me Daddy O. I, I kind of like, you know, the Snowbird Jazz Festivals. Mm-hmm. The guys, I was one of the original guy, 
the, the what they called the space agency uh, space agency at the time. It's now um, Broadway across America. Yeah. John Ballard, Steve Boulay, Steve Boulay, and Bruce John, Granith. Bruce Granith, yeah. Mm-hmm. And me started, and Snowbird, and the late Randy Montgomery, who used to work at Snowbird as the marketing director and an old high school friend of mine. We put together that Snowbird Jazz Festival, and we did nineteen of them. I emceed them all and came up with all the groups. They started calling me Daddy O kind of thing, and it, it sort of because they knew Bowen too. They heard me calling Bowen Daddy O, and so Tell people after, who West Bowen was. West Bone was a, a, a an old, way back jazz disc jockey. One of the original guys around here. There was a few of them. Of course, there was Al Jasbo Collins. Mm-hmm. That's another one. Brad Collins, mm-hmm. his dad. Yeah. Jasbo, West Bowen. There was a few other guys, too. A guy they called Daddy Wiggins. Mm-hmm. KSXX. Mm-hmm. Michael yeah. G. Cavanaugh also worked for KSXX. So that's 6 a.m., 6.30. Yes. It used yeah. to be a jazz daytime jazz station that only had a license for daytime, right. and they'd go off the air as soon as the sun set. So in the summer, they were on later, of course. Yeah. I listened to it all the time. Bowen, And then Bowen ended up being at KSL, and he had they gave him, because KSL was news, you know, like kind yeah. of like they are, you know. Mm-hmm. But they had, they allowed him, he was the public, inf- he was a the public um, PSA guy. Yeah, yeah, he would. Ted Kapner was the news director. Bowen was the public affairs director. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he'd do interviews kind yeah. of with people mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so they gave him the opportunity to have this jazz show. And so, of course, I listened to that too. Or just like we were listening to Kavanaugh. What do, what do young people do? I mean, we're radio guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to go to sleep at night with the radio under my you know, the covers, you know, so I could hear it. And, and, Listen to that, you know, listen to the guys like Bowen and all these late guys. And maybe, we should, maybe we should explain to people why you grew up with, with, so much, with jazz in your blood. And you've alluded to it a little bit with your dad. But tell people about Steve Williams' dad. Tell, tell them about your dad. Well, God, how much time have we got here? We got, we got some time. You know, it's like I brought some pictures in to show you. My father was a professional uh, saxophonist, clarinet, flute. Mm. And he was a star musician at 18 in high school. In Boston. In in Boston. Mm -hmm. And uh, when he graduated from high school, by himself, I mean, this takes a lot of guts. Here we're talking talking also in... uh, Oh, let's see, 1930, about 1933, 34. What's happening then? Depression, isn't mm-hmm. it? Isn't that right? Right in the yeah. Depression? Yeah. He moves to Boston after graduating from kind high of the, school. Yeah, can, yeah, Depression, right? In, yeah. Mm-hmm. And with his suitcase and his horns by himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's that gutsy. He moves to New York. And he starts working. First gig he gets at 1819, I showed you a picture out of a book I found with Joe Venuti, the star violin man who had the big bands and lived up and played until his 90s a legendary figure in jazz jazz violin especially so he he played with guys like that in new york he played with he played in the charlie parker big band playing charlie the bird yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah played uh, um played in it he recorded with him three times 
once live at Carnegie Hall on New Year's Eve, 1948. It's a funny, it's a great story about that because there was a recording engineer strike going on starting. So they had to get this live date done or else they wouldn't be able to have him for, I don't know how long the strike lasted for, but but he played with uh, all the greats. All the greats. You, we talked about Gene Krupa because he was with, twice with Gene Krupa. I was going to, now, you said Gene Krupa, uh, a drummer, one of the great drummers. Who played Gene Krupa in the Gene Krupa story? Was it Paul, Paul no. uh, Salminio? Uh, yes. Salminio. Yes, yes, he and, did. And, uh, Gene uh, trained him. Uh, and uh, and then there and then along comes Buddy Rich, and mm. Buddy Rich was a little younger, I think, than, yes. than Gene Krupa. He was. And, and Buddy Rich was a great drummer. And then there was always this argument: who was the greatest drummer? Was it Buddy Rich or, or Gene Krupa? And they played together. I have a, yeah. re- I listened to a recording just a couple of m- months ago uh-huh. of this drum off they yeah. were doing. I've got that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they were, you know, this drum battle of Gene Krupa and, and well, Buddy Rich. I'll tell so, you. Here's the what story. Here's what. Because he played with both. All right. Of them, now right? here's where he played with Gene Krupa. Let me let me mention first before I get into the okay. Krupa story because yeah. that leads me into how my parents met. Bunny Berrigan was a very famous trumpet player. He played, his idol was Bix Beiderbeck, the legendary 30s trumpet player, coronet trumpet. You know, it's, it's a trad jazz type stuff. And mm-hmm. Good, good, good players. Mm-hmm. Bunny Berrigan has, he's, uh, he has a similar problem as Bix, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Guys, guys poured alcohol. But Bunny Berrigan had some groups, and I've got, I've got in my car, I brought some recordings. I got, I found them on Amazon. My dad with Bunny Berrigan hmm. in 1938 and 39. And in that band, Buddy Rich is the drummer. Hmm. He's the drummer in the Bunny Berrigan band, and hmm. my dad's playing well, that saxophone. Long ago. Yeah. Hmm. And so, and then my dad played with, uh, so they recorded with Buddy Rich in that band. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bass player on it was Irving Goodman, who was Benny Goodman's brother, mm-hmm. bass, mm-hmm. and and a couple, you know, some other guys that are, you know, but, and then in '38 also, my dad played in the first Gene Krupa band. Gene had moved from Chicago to New York, and uh, my dad meets Gene Krupa, and he's a, he was a little bit older, mm-hmm. and older than Buddy Rich yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Buddy might, may have been close to my dad's age, and Gene was a little older than him. He, I think he was born in 05, mm-hmm. 10 years older than my dad or something. And so um, my dad's with Krupa's band of 38. It's a smaller group. It's not the big orchestra. It's the 38 group, and famous guys in it, too. They record. I've got the recording. And, and then Krupa has his ups and downs. Krupa... Um, he had some drug problems. Goes and he gets another thing. He gets arrested for... And I, I investigated this because it's, you know, there's the movie, the Gene Krupa, you know. They, they talk about it. I remember, I saw this when I was with a Sal. kid. Yeah. And like he had a, a, like a busted for with marijuana. It was, they called it Sticks of Marijuana. Yeah. And what happened, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the band boy, hmm. the band boy... And I asked my mother about this. My mother, I'd asked her because she knew Gene. Because I'll tell you about how that. Um, I asked my mother if Gene Krupa was a, was a, you know did drugs, mm-hmm. and she said no. He drank, 
but he didn't do drugs, and that was a setup. Uh. That the band boy was getting kind of well, he was getting him for him. He thought he wanted him for his birthday. He, gave, he was going to give him to his birthday. Uh. Like here's a present, mm-hmm. and. It was a scandal. About, it's kind of, oh, yeah. God, was it a scandal? Yeah. Uh, the famous broadcaster of the day, what was his name? Walter Winchell. Walter Winchell. Yeah. How did so, I get that from How did you get that? See, I don't know how I got it. You see, you can't see it on the radio. Steve was just like doing a motion like wearing a hat down over his yeah, eyes. Just held <laughs> both of his hands above his eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like, and I suppose yeah, you want to know the rest of the story, yeah, you know, kind of a thing like that. Something, I don't know. So Walter, Walter, Winchell, says on, Walter Winchell says on the air, he says... We've got to, these zoot-suiting musicians, we've got to show them that you can't do that kind yeah. of stuff, you know. So so they put Krupa in in, in jail, yeah. in, in the Bay Area, I think it was. I think he spent like two months in jail, and then they let him out. Mm-hmm. Well, Krupa thinks he's, you know, the band obviously is broken up. I mean, I mean, my dad was so busy in 38, he was playing it. In 36, 37, 38, Woody Herman bands, Bunny Berrigan's band, Gene Krupa's band, doing stuff in big shows. I mean, mm-hmm. my dad wanted, didn't want to be, I'll tell you, you know, he didn't want to be stuck in one band. Yeah. He, he turned down being in the Woody Herman band, in the original band, and I even got the paper signed in 1937 where it's Woody Herman band versus Murray Williams, whereas my dad got out of the band because he didn't want to wait around mm-hmm. and sold his portion back to my to Woody Herman. I said, how much? He said, a dollar, just to make it legal tender. But so he didn't want to be with... So Krupa is, comes out of jail, doesn't have a band, and Benny Goodman and, let's see, who else? Another b- famous band leader said, well, oh, Tommy Dorsey, Jimmy Dorsey, the saxophone player, not the... Tommy was the trombone, and Jimmy was the saxophone and clarinet. Said, "Well, you can. I'll hire you." So, there was a big concert going on at, in one of the big places in New York City, and it was rumored that Gene Krupa was going to be with this band, whether it would be Goodman or. And there was Gene. Gene had these famous set of drums, this big stuff, and mm-hmm. I, I can show you pictures of them. My dad had. I got these original pictures. So. Um. That place is packed. Krupa is there with his drums, and when he comes, when and band leader says, and on drums, Gene Krupa, the house came down with applause. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was just, and Gene actually started almost crying, stood up and was almost crying because everybody forgave him and didn't give a damn. Yeah, you know, you're Gene Krupa. We don't care about this. What yeah. you know, mm-hmm. get out there and do your thing, buddy. Mm-hmm. And after that, he went. He was done. He's, he was just like, yeah. I'm starting. So my dad goes back with Krupa in a, a larger band in 19, um, late 44 and into January of, of 45. They're on the road from New York in Hollywood. They're playing at the world-famous Hollywood Palladium. And... My mother was a tap dancer from Salt Lake City. She went to the club that night to see the Gene Krupa band with her tap dancing girlfriend, <laughs> Cosette. Cosette knew the trombone player in the Gene Krupa orchestra. Isn't that how it always happens? And and <laughs> so she meets G, uh, the trombone player's, Tommy Pedersen's roommate, who is Murray Williams. Your, your dad. 
And that's where my parents met at the, at the Hollywood Palladium you see, ja- this, in 1945. You see how jazz is in Steve Williams' blood? <laughs> this is how jazz is in his blood. This, and, 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 and check this out. And, and then the, the band two months later, oh, or they were doing a movie down there too is what they, Gene was a movie star. Yeah, he, he was a handsome man. And, a, you know, this movie they were doing was called, and I have it, I got it on DVD, the George White Scandals, 1945. It's about George White, who is—he's a real life figure. There, there was the real. There was a years before there was the movie George White with him playing himself. But then it came out years later, the George White Scandals, 1945. And who George White was? He hired dancing girls and had shows. You know mm-hmm. these kind of big mm-hmm. shows with dancing girls reviews and all that stuff. Yeah, reviews. Stuff. Yeah. So in the movie George White Scandals, 1945. The uh, the guy from okay here's two characters from movies okay think of the Wizard of Oz yeah think of the Tin Man yeah yeah Bill Ray, Haley uh, Bill Haley yeah he's in the movie he's George White mm-hmm, okay his sister who's a nag mm-hmm. she's from the uh, same movie she's the Wicked Witch Margaret uh, Hamilton Margaret Margaret Hamilton's his mm-hmm. sister in the movie okay and then there's this, another gal who's George White's Sweetheart, mm. and the stories about dancing girls. There's, you, you know, yeah. he group is playing drums. You know, the sticks on this one of those high hats of the gals. You know, mm. her top hat. <laughs> you know, you know that's part. Yeah. Of, mm-hmm. And he's the band's playing it throughout it. And there's scenes where they're in the scene where mm-hmm. the band's mm-hmm. doing things. My dad's right there in the camera. In the you movie. know, in the yeah. movie. That's great. Then the band comes two months later to Ogden to Brigham City. In the movie? Yeah, uh, no, oh. in real life. Oh. Two months later, comes to Brigham City to the uh, Bushnell General Military Hospital. Oh, yeah. To play Up for the troops. Where the, where Indian the, Center. Indi- where the uh, Intermountain Indian School was. That's where, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Which was during the war for four years, and that's mm-hmm. a great story. You ought to investigate that, mm-hmm. the building of that thing, because yeah. I did. I, I, I researched it. They played there. At the auditorium or at the gymnasium, which is torn down, there were a lot of very, very wounded World War Two very uh, guys there who were recuperating. Oh, you, you can't know. believe how wounded! Mm-hmm. And I'll, and as I investigate it, because well, so anyway, so they're playing there in Brigham City, mm-hmm. and they record a record there, mm-hmm. and they did at the, the Palladium. I found these on mm-hmm. Amazon, year, you know, five mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. but so. They play there, and that's in March. So then I asked my mother, because I'll tell you how, why I asked her. And, and then from, I, I found this out from her, because she, my mother had gone up to Brigham City, and I asked her this. I'll tell you how, why I asked her and how I did it. And from there, she went up to see the band up there, and I asked my mother, well, then what did you do then? She said, oh, I moved to New York and married your dad. <laughs> there, uh-huh. there, well, there I am. Well, mm-hmm. Gene, let's see. I've started a film. Yeah. I started a film. And what fi- month were you born? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> Close. <laughs> Just maybe I better move to New York. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, the, uh, I, I started a film. I, my mother passed away last year at uh, 93. Mm. But in about... You know, in 2006, something like that, um, after looking online, 
for just, you know, Amazon, I started going to Amazon. Mm-hmm. I found, I go to Gene Krupa. I find a recording, and they have this series. I got one in the car. I mean, I, I make copies of these things, so I don't haul the originals around with me anymore. But I, it's a CD series called Big Bands Live. And then there's a, a, a box, you know, about this big on all of them. About a rectangular, like a mm-hmm. two postage stand, maybe three. Mm-hmm. And in there says the who, the place, and the date. Mm. Gene Krupa Orchestra, Hollywood Palladium, January eighteenth, nineteen forty-five. Like, Holy cool. crap! That was the night my parents met, and they recorded that night. Isn't that great? So I got that CD, and then the next night I found another one, the one recorded up in Ogden. Mm-hmm. So I got that one too. So that gave me an idea. While my mother was in the rest home, I took. <coughs> Two, uh, two of my camera friends, uh, uh, they're filmmakers, and we went over there and we filmed my mother in the rest home. She's in her wheelchair. I've got the piano bench between us and the piano right here with pictures of my dad from the bands on the back. I'm on this side of it. I got a ghetto blaster and we're playing that recording. I said, Mom, you were there that night and that was the night you met Dad. Tell me about it. And we started talking on camera. So I've started a film, but I haven't completed it. And guess what it's called? No Gene Krupa, no me, a love story. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a, do you you have a complete, uh, an an idea for the end of that? I've got lots of chunks on a hard drive, you know. Jazz is more than in in your blood. I mean, it is your, it is your life. It's my life. Steve Williams, um. At KUER, uh, and then so you grew up in New York. Well, I didn't. I didn't grow up there. Here's we. You came back to your we, dad. Came back. To we, Utah. We, well, after after my brother was born, four years later mm-hmm. than me, we're living in New York. My after my mother wanted a house, so we moved from Forty Fourth Street. But she's pregnant with my brother. We buy a house on Long Island. Hmm. We're one of the. You know, original people. Check this out. Our house was in Levittown, Franklin Square, Levittown. That's one of the original subdivisions subdivisions in the country. That's yeah. where they were designed oh. after that. Yeah. And I, I remember as a kid, wild animals in our backyard mm-hmm. roaming around there and that, you know, because there weren't many houses. Yeah. Well, so what happens? My mom, my brother's born. My mother says, I want, you know, because my dad's going into Manhattan every day to work. He's always gone. She's still making music. Out there, still making the music. She's there with two children, two little kids, and nobody else. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've had it. So she said, I want to move back to Salt Lake where my family is, and I can help my, you know, my grandma can help me with the kids. And we drive back here, pulling a trailer in our Nash Amber. But. I, it's a, this is a big sack. This must have been a huge sacrifice for your huge, dad. huge because he huge he loved doing what he was doing. I would assume yes, his whole life. That's all he knew. So he, nothing else. So he had to say. And how old of a man is he at this time? Do you think? How old is he about? Let's see. He's a uh, professional musician. Let me, see, let me think. Um, fifteen to nineteen fifteen to fifty two. Uh, I'm not good at math. I don't know. Late 30s. In his late 30s? Mid-late 30s. 15 to 30. And he's doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing well. My father 
was doing so well. Well, we bought a house in Long Island. I mean, he is playing. He's playing in the stu- he's playing uh, Broadway shows. He's playing recording dates. He's playing uh, luncheons and and mm-hmm. dinners. And I mean, he's playing everywhere. So he's okay now. Okay, let's just assume then. Let's say he's 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 done well with his money. Let's say that. So he's so he's got money. He's got some money put aside. Let's let's and and you're nodding. So yeah. he's 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 fairly well. He was fixed. frugal. He's a frugal man. He's he's invested money. He's saved money. So he's fairly well fixed. So he's so he can think. Well, money is not the the object. I've got money. I can go somewhere else and use that money to start something else. And and maybe I can play music in Salt Lake City as well. That's what he was hoping. But but I but I love doing what I'm doing. But so he did. He resent this. Do you know? He loved my mother. It was it was really yes. a question yeah. of yes yeah oh yeah I will do this for you no matter what yes yeah he loved my mother and he loved his his family he loved uh, my brother and I mm-hmm. so I mean here we are towing a trailer out here and we break down in North Platte Nebraska oh god so I've we ended there. up stuck there for a while but we moved back here and what is so remarkable about my father's plane we moved back here and I he saved everything I've got. Everything, all of his uh, memorabilia, articles, Great. and everything. That's I was like, I'm showing you. I, you know, I, I've actually put a book together. It's it weighs ten pounds of paper, uh, just his pictures and articles That's and wonderful. stuff like That's that. That's great to have. And I, it's all copies because I didn't want to, you know, nothing. I didn't want. I got everything else, you know, locked away. But we, uh, he comes out here. And one of the very first, he starts playing in, you know, there's, there's a little bit of jazz going on here. I was just reading about Jerry Jones and they, what used to be the Rainbow Rendezvous. There was bands coming, as you know from Ogden, mm-hmm. bands were coming through Salt Lake with the train. The bands went where the trains went. Yeah. And so Salt Lake and Ogden were kind of, you know, they were on the road. Yeah, I mean, Joe McQueen up in Ogden says, said he... You know, he played with Charlie Parker one night in Ogden because the train stopped. That's right. In Ogden, and Charlie Parker got off the train at midnight or something That's and right. said, is there some place where people are playing jazz here in Ogden? And somebody said, yeah, there's a basement there, and mm-hmm. Joe McQueen was playing, and he played with Charlie Parker in a basement yeah. in Ogden. But so he comes out here, and he's playing some of these gigs around here. There's some clubs. Um, he was on. It was a television show he was on in a, a television band on KDYL TV. Hmm. It's called the Bruce Vanderhoof Show, and he was in the band with them. Uh-huh. And what's so funny is some of the guys, a couple of the guys playing, their wives were friends of my mother. Hmm. So the band here, mm-hmm. the guys playing together, the guys and the wives, hmm. they'd party together all the time. We had parties over at our house where all these musicians at our house all the time. So he still got to play. Still got to play, and he and that was good. But also, when he really expanded because of his knowledge, I was telling you, my dad was one of the great sight readers of music. He used to sight read Broadway shows. Now, sight reading means you see the music for the first time as you sit down in the pit of the orchestra, the play for the show starting here right now. He comes to Utah. My dad played in the Utah Symphony, clarinet and bass clarinet, and flute in the first opera company here in fifty two, fifty three. I got programs. Under Marisa Bravanel in 52. Hmm. And 
within the last few years, some of the people that were in that orchestra mm-hmm. retired and are friends of mine today. Do you play in the pit orchestras, too, up at uh, Pioneer Theater for the, well, for the musicals and stuff? Yeah, he did a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Valley Music Hall, you remember oh, up remember there? That remember place. that? Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of shows. You know the name... Eugene Jelesnik. Have you ever heard that name? I have, a, I have a Eugene Jelesnik story. Would you like to hear my Eugene <laughs> yes. Jelesnik story? He, Eugene loved my dad, and he hired him for everything. Johnny Mathis show, or this show, or that show, mm-hmm. or this show. I have one quick Eugene Jelesnik story. Yeah. I've told on the radio before. Okay. This is my Eugene Jelesnik story. I went to see a play with my uh, ex-wife, uh, Dylan's mother. And uh, we, uh, it was, I think it was Hal Holbrook tonight or something oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, at uh, down at uh, Capitol Theater, and uh, we were early, and uh, we walked down to our seats and we walked past, and there was a guy sitting there alone, and it was Eugene Jelesnik, and uh, I, we walked past, and I said, "Oh, that was Eugene Jelesnik," and my my ex wife said, "Oh," and I said, uh, "I'm just going to go back and say hi," and I think you know, she said, "No, don't don't, don't do that." Don't do that. Just leave him alone. And I said, no, I think he'd, maybe he'd like it. But I just went, so I just, I'm just going to go, hi, hi, I, I, you're Eugene Jelesnik. Nice to see you. And she said, oh, all right. And so I, I went back and I went, hi, you're Eugene Jelesnik. And he went, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Get away from me. <laughs> that is went, shocking to me. I went, oh, oh, oh well, not, Okay. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Sorry. I can't. Bill, that. Just having a bad night. Oh, just having a bad night. You know. I just loved that. I, I just love that story. Get away from me. I saw Eugene Jelesnik at a party at Steve Boulay's house from Space Agency one time, years and years ago. And I went, you know, and I went to him. I said, Eugene, I said, my dad's. My dad's Murray Williams, and he said, "Oh, wow, Murray!" And I mean, he was—I mean, of course, he opened up by mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> Eugene Jelesnik was such a character. I he was. He had the—he had that talent showcase. All he the did. I used to watch yeah. when I was a kid yeah. on TV. Yeah, and I mean, it was like you know, like remember, like the Ted Lewis Amateur Hour yeah. show. I mean, that was you know, this is this is what what you'd call yeah. Uh, what, what, you know, what, what do they have now? American Idol, American Idol, back, but um, you know, fifty years ago or something, you know, Mm -hmm. or more, sixty years ago. Ted Max original Amateur Hour, and then Eugene Jelesnik, and now we have some lovely dancing girls from the west part of the valley. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they're here to do a lovely tap dance. uh, They're going to tap dance to the song "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." Take it away, girls. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eugene Jelesnik, and he had an orchestra, right? Well, Gene had everything, and man. I got pictures like I did. I've got, I put together this. I was telling you about. My, it's my dad's New York scrapbook. I've got that, and then I've got his Utah scrapbook mm. separately. When he came out here, which I've included my mother's scrapbook of a tap dancer in with it. Did your mother ever pursue her tap dancing career much, or just just locally it, it, well, dance? It, it won't, you know, she uh, danced with, you know, church events mm-hmm. and that. You know, they would go Mor- up Mormon, Mormon, Mormon church. Yeah, Mormon church events. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd go up to Pocatello and mm-hmm. dance. And she was, a, my mother was a professional tap dancer at 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And she would go, you know, do that stuff. And, and your dad she had great was- rhythm. My dad said that your mother has the best rhythm in the family. Being a tap dancer... They got rid of him. It's I'm telling hard. you, yeah. you know, like Mel Torme, Buddy Rich, he mm-hmm. was too. Mm-hmm. They were tap dancers' kids. Oh, they I were, didn't both know. of them were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So, but, and your dad was Jewish, right? Yes. Yeah, Jewish. My dad was Jewish. Yeah. Yes, he was. I, so, a Mormon girl falls in love with Jewish yeah. boy. And it happened around here quite often because a few of her friends were the same way. Did your dad ever uh, practice his religion, or did he ever convert to the Mormon religion? No, no, no. But he did what, you know, we would have, you know, his certain days that we would celebrate. But he, like everything else, you know, he let my mother... We had a Christmas tree, of course, because mm-hmm. the kids wanted to have a Christmas tree. Sure. He was yeah. a very secular Jew. Yes, he was. He was. But he still, you know, had his respect. So let's talk about, now let's move to just to, to Steve Williams. Uh, we left you at um, uh, KRCL. KRCL. Right. We left you there, and we talked about how, ja- and, and, and it's, a, it's a great story. Can I tell you how I, I left KRCL? Yeah, please. My last night? No. That's kind of a funny night because it still lives on today. <laughs> My last night at KRCL happened to be, I think it was right around the 4th of July and 1982. And there was a lightning storm out west. And I'm on the air and I'm, I know this is going to be my last night at KRCL. Still over the Blue Mouse there? Yes. Yes, it was. On first south. Let's see, let me think back. I think it was still at the Blue Mouse before they did all that moving. Yes, it was, because I never was at the other buildings. And I'm going to give my good night and say, well, I'm, you know, we got knocked off the air that night. And didn't go back on the air. KRCL didn't go back on the air for like two or three days. And then the next weekend, I'm the host Saturday and Sunday both, weekend jazz. But, Bill, dig this. This was the very, I went back to KUER in 82 as a paid part-timer, my first money, I worked for three years. You know, the, the year at KUER as a volunteer in mm-hmm. the first, two years at KRCL. For, no, that, for nothing. That's no money. For volunteer. Yeah. So when I come back, this is they offer me money. I went, holy oh, cow. Wow, right, yeah. I'm a professional now. Yeah, man. So in 80, you know, for two years that I did the weekends, mm-hmm. I, you know. But everybody out to KRCL... Including, you know, eBay and everybody out there wants me to come out and do my final night on the air at KRCL and say goodnight. Well, have you th- so, so you've made the decision after now all of these years at KUER. It's your decision. Um, and and, and I don't, there are probably some rumors floating around Lots. otherwise. Yeah. But it is your decision. Yeah, yeah. To say, I, you know, I, you've done the, the nighttime jazz show. As we talked about when our conversation started here today, as you, we're on the opposite side of the clock. Yeah. You're ready to go to bed at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. You're tired because you're an early morning guy. I get home at 2, 3 in the morning and stuff like that. You get home every just night. as I'm getting up. Yeah. And I get I, up at 3. You know, I'm going to be 70 years old. Mm-hmm. And my wife, our whole marriage, I've been gone every night. She says, you know, let's have a life together, at least before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And and it, this wasn't her idea. This was my idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't work all my life. I can't. I need, I need some rest time. I need to wind down. And I, I want to kind of get myself a little bit more regulated to a little bit more normal a life. Human life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I walk in here, we're in the Oasis Cafe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody goes, 
looks at me like looking at their watches like what are you doing hey, here it's not set, it's not 6 o'clock or 5 30 what are you doing here and, you know we've never seen you during the day or, that's what you look like <laughs> uh, i'm seeing people all, you know and run into friends as we you, were here but you love radio you love doing that radio show i do what what was it 20 25 did i've been there yeah uh, 35. 35 well actually i've been doing that show 31 years 31. when i coming up on June 25th, it's a, it's a Thursday night. That is my actual 31st anniversary of doing that show. Jeez. I started that show, and I've got it. See, I kept a journal every year. And I've, still, I've got them in piles for every year, going clear back to 82. I've got it written in that journal in 82. First night at KUER doing weekends, first paid gig. Then in 84, June 25th, 1984, for Monday. First night of KUER weeknight gig, full-time show. So, you know, and mm-hmm. my going-away party at the Gallivan Center on Thursday night, the 25th, is exactly 31 years to the day that I started that show, started working it. It'll be at the Gallivan Center on the 25th yes. of... Thursday night. Uh, ...of this month. Yes. There's a jazz trio that's really hot playing there, Corey Christiansen trio. You know, they're Corey's from Logan. Mm-hmm. The Joe McQueen's guys, no friends. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a that's a long career in radio, um, and a long time to I mean do one type one show. I know. I mean, he thinks he's done one type of show for a long time. My dad does. Um, have you thought about your legacy, you, what you'll what you'll be remembered for. Oh. Oh, he was the guy who... Yeah. Oh, that guy who was on at night? There more than that, don't you think? Thought about it? Well, you know, I'm out in the community a lot, you know, Bill. Mm-hmm. You know you know what's really inspired me in this job a lot? The young people. Working with the kids, Caleb Chapman and the Crescent Superband kids. I emcee these shows for them and done fundraisers. I had a kid in the other night. I call him a kid. He's 23 now. When he was 18, he was killing on bass. I'm watching these kids. They're 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, 14, 15, playing their butts off. Mm. That's inspired me. Mm -hmm. And they listen. I mean, when you got these... 12 year old kids and they you know they're listening to buddy rich and stuff like that because they want to learn you know mm-hmm. and they're listening to me that's inspiring mm-hmm. that's that's a legacy that i really appreciate you, know, you inspire what, them and then they'll continue to take that to the next see and, and dylan that's what we need to do here we we need to have the young people carry this out how do you um carry it on what is the what is the uh Talk about jazz itself a little bit. Uh, jazz is wh- what is its assess it as fairly as you can, being uh, a person who is who loves it so much and who is yeah. who is such it's a part me. of it. Yeah. yeah, assess it as fairly as you can. Um, some people consider it kind of a museum anymore you know you know what i'm saying yes yeah almost akin to classical music anymore it's a it's kind of something that's just a sort of a museum piece to be appreciated by us <laughs> a, a select few and uh, you know it's kind of funny you, you the way you use it like that back in the 60s 
when rock and roll was really heavy and all that, my father used to tell me, he'd say, you know what? The only place you're going to see a saxophone is in a museum. (laughs) 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 What these young people do, and what you have to, what you have to allow young people to do in this art, in this, in this, is to allow them to bring their own musics in too. Jazz is, is an element. It's a feel. Listen to Gene Harris or Ray Brown or Monty Alexander, these really swinging jazz piano players and bass players. They jazz up the Star Spangled Banner. Monty does, you know, uh, um, what's that? Oh, it's like a patriotic song. But, but, God, I can't think of it. God Bless America or something? Well, they do that, too, mm-hmm. but... Uh, when Johnny comes marching home, or what's mm-hmm. it, you know that that mm-hmm, song, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. he jazzes that up too. Where I mean, where you're tapping your foot and doing this mm-hmm. stuff to it, that's jazz. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what the tune is. Like I say, you can jazz up the Star Spangled Banner. Those guys do it. Mm-hmm. It's a feeling. It's a swinging feeling. It's it's you know it's a you know you know it, as Lewis used to say. You know, if somebody has to tell you, you don't know, or you know, or if you tap your foot to it, mm-hmm. you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Was it uh, uh, Count Basie, Basie that said, "If it sounds good, it is good." Yeah, it's, and I think it was Duke Ellington Duke that Ellington. said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duke Ellington. Yeah. If it sounds good, yeah. it is good. Yeah, and it doesn't matter. And what he also what, he, what he said was, there are two kinds of music, good and bad. Yeah, you know, and. As you know me, I love all kinds of music. I love country too. Mm-hmm. I look, I'm a huge classical fan. My classical friends see me at the orchestra all the time. I go, we go to the Utah Symphony a lot, mm-hmm. and the other symphonies. Mm-hmm. I've worked with them. I help them on fundraisers. I MC shows. Sure. I happen to see the Vienna Ball for the Salt Lake Symphony three years in a row for their fundraiser. I love the classical music, just like my dad did, because he played it. I heard it around the house. Here's, here's what I suggest to parents. You want your kids to, to get an education in music and know it? You better start playing it around the house. Yeah. And I, I get emails. I've been getting emails from people telling me that, oh, my word, you're leaving. And, and uh, my kids, we've, I've taken them for years, and we have problems. We go out in the car, and we drive, and we talk family problems, and they want to hear jazz while we talk about family problems. Well, I'll, you know, I'll tell you, uh, a memory I have from my childhood would be uh, at night driving home from something, some uh, family party, or we, my mother took us to see a play, or uh, you know. But it's late at night, and I'm a kid, and I, you know, we've, we're falling asleep in the back seat, and mom's mm-hmm. driving home, and it's listening to you. That's what it is. And it's listening to that jazz music, and it's dark, and my mom's driving. It it's it's a very vivid important memory to me. What, we, were, what, what, we were divorced, so we, I, I what, wasn't what did, there. What, yeah. what did it yeah. do for you? Did it make you kind of relax and uh, sleep, or did yeah. it kind of, you know, um, kind of fall, you know, uh, quiet down if you were being boisterous and your mom wanted you to relax, or if you were upset, or? Um, you know, I think, to me, because those moments are were very calm moments of... of sleep you know drifting off in the car at night mm-hmm. um you know so it's a very calming thing for me 
until the people season. say my voice is calming. Well, and I wanted I wanted to ask you. Yeah, about I, that. I was gonna. Yeah, I wanted to get there too because you have the uh, your voice is a little is is a little different. Um, just talking here on on an interview than it is on the radio. Hmm. Um, I don't do it deliberately. Um, I th- Interesting. I think it's I think it's the time of the day. Frankly, probably. Um, most people tell me they say, "God, you sound just like you sound on the radio," and I, I think I probably do. Most of the time, I talk almost exactly. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. But you get, you do have. I think you have the nighttime. It's just because of the time of night, and you kind of just well. I'm it's, conscious of that. Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's eight o'clock at night, and probably ought to just take it down a little. Mm-hmm. Take it down a notch. I, I think that's. I, I think, think that's, I go there. I think that's what. Whether that I is. know it or not, I think yeah. I do go there. I think that's all that is. I mm-hmm. think that's all it is, and it's kind of a, it's a nice soothing. It's a soothing quality, and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a slow. Pla- it's, it's very pleasant. It's very pleasant, but it's. Um, and Articulated, it's not, and it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not what you hear on radio, mm-hmm. which I always thought was interesting. You're not afraid to kind of um, pause, pause and <laughs> let there be a just a moment some where spaces hey, in hey, the mm-hmm. little hey, air. Man, just hanging out, listening to some jazz late at night. Yeah. Man, it's cool. It's just not selling anything. <sighs> yep. Just you know, it's nice not to have to. That's one thing that's nice about working at a place like KUR. Public radio. You pretty much don't have to sell anything. Public radio. And, you know, I had, in, in my career, I've been a salesman, and you know, like I did for my dad, and I've done sale in, in other places. And it's, when I started in radio, I thought, thank goodness, I don't have to sell anybody anything. All I have to do is just put on the music and enjoy it. And, 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 and you know, I, I, I say uh, host and guide mm-hmm. kind of through the music, you know. What what's going to become? I mean, KUER, the nighttime jazz program. They're not going to put on jazz. No, no. jazz will be gone. Uh, they're going to put on some talk uh, and some news well, of some probably. kind. Probably, I, I don't know what the programs are, but they're some, some kind of news programming and stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so, Which so is heartbreaking. Where, where where do where. Uh, the, the program for thirty one years yeah, I've has been hosting that show for thirty one has helped jazz uh, flourish in Salt Lake. Uh, jazz, yes. their jazz shows, GAM shows. Uh, the, what does what does GAM stand for? By the way, it's somebody's initials. Isn't yeah, it? it was Gordon. Actually, it was Gordon and Mike, uh, but now it, then it became Gordon, Amanda, and Mike. But Mike left. <laughs> Amanda is uh, Gordon's daughter. Yeah, and Amanda's and married to uh, Ryan, who used to Ryan. work for us. Did he really? Yeah, he was a, he was our promotion director You're for a while. You're kidding me! Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, Ryan's, Ryan. a, Ryan's a great guy. Oh like yeah, him. he is. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They see, I see him all the shows. Yeah, yeah, and I really like his wife, Amanda. Yeah, but man. anyway, uh, the Gam Foundation they bring shows in, and and KUER, uh, the jazz show, and Steve Williams. Big, I host them. A, you host them. A I'm big the part yeah. of and a big part of promoting those shows. Yeah. Uh, I they played must, the music. They must be worried. Yeah, I played the music that you know of the people coming. So, what happens? Good question. It's it's, it's kind of not his problem anymore. <laughs> well, I you know I, I I don't know what I can do about it. There's it nothing is. I can do about it. You well, know? you could not but, retire. Could, well, well, you know, Dylan, know. you got you know, I know as it's I told, not about yeah, me. As I've told people. Ever since I've been married to Vicky, my wife, 
she's had to share me with the world every night of the week, except Saturday and Sunday. And you know how quick weekends go. I mean, first of all, I'm resting a good part of that, you know, because my hours are so odd. I mean, yeah. I'm tired of going to bed at 4, 5, 6 in the morning. Mm-hmm. I, you know, because people say, well, just don't you go home, go right to bed after? No. Are you kidding? You have to wind I, down. I'm, I'm going to need to wind down. Plus, I'm hungry. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I'm hungry. I like to go home and wind down and, yeah. you know, and just, but, but my wife's, in, you know, asleep because she's a day person. Mm-hmm. She's up and at them and walking early, you know, in the mornings. So... My lifestyle needs to change for my life, for my, for my own health. My wife and I are, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 70 and she's you know, five years younger. And so we're, you know, we've got to think about our health. And at this point in my life, you know, I can retire, I Social Security and all that stuff. I mean, we'll, you know, we'll, it'll be tight, but at least I'm home every night. Do you, do you know uh, of anything that's that's perhaps? I'll tell you one thing. I'm, there, that might be there to fill that void. Well, here's, I'm one of the original um, advisors to Jeff Whiteley and the Excellence in the Community concert series that are those free shows at the Gallivan Center on Tuesday and Thursday nights during the summer and thir- every other Thursday, you know, during the rest of the season. I used to MC all those when they were on Saturday night for him. See, that's what I do a lot of that team. See these nights that I'm working? Mm-hmm. I'm MCing shows. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do. Yeah. So there's my Saturday night, you know. Yeah. Still in the business sort of thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I, I'm i going to help him um, raise funds for that organization. I, 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 I feed him groups, to, you know. And these are all local groups. It's not all jazz. It's just got to be local and good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Utah and good, mm-hmm. but not necessarily local, just mm-hmm. Utah and good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm actually going to help him. I'm going to put some groups together with some people, I separate musicians, I think. Why don't you come together with that person? You come in, and then let's, why don't you play this music, and let's see what that sounds like. I want to put some groups together for some people. They don't know it yet, or I don't even know who they are yet. <laughs> you know, but kind of stuff like that. But watch that. out, because Steve Williams is coming. And I'm, I'm listening, mm-hmm. too. And I'm so, but... So, you know, I'll be around during a lot of those. And uh, any big any big travel plans? Places you've wanted to go? We're going to France in 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 July. Mm. We're going to France for two weeks, and we'll we're going on that Diane Reem NPR mm. river trip, mm-hmm. where we're going up. And I can't think of the name of the river. We land at Charles de Gaulle Airport, and then we river up for mm-hmm. a whole week. Mm. On the river, and then we take, um, we're taking a three-day extension, and then we're taking a four-day extension on our own, my wife and I. We've got an apartment rented for four nights in Paris. No, lovely. So we're going, we're going to, to France for two weeks. And then when we come back, um, I mean, there's a few shows I want to see when I come back. Diana Crawl's coming to play with the Utah Symphony up at, the, up at Deer Valley, and Jerry Steichen, my buddy, the conduct, Pops conductor, is, is the conducting it. And Diana's been a friend of mine for way back in the early days. And it's... There's things that are out there, Bill. It's too early to say what they are, but I'm working on my own film, like I was telling you. Mm-hmm. I'm working on a TV show. Mm-hmm. 
kind of with another friend of mine who's my partner in that, and his son's a filmmaker. It's actually sort of a, we want to put together uh, what I'd like to do. I'd like to travel throughout Europe and go to festivals and uh, with a camera crew and uh, interview people and do things and put that together as a online TV thing, you know? Uh, one other question, Steve, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, just people who who don't seem to, who've never really approached jazz, you know, maybe they've been afraid of it or... Heard something part of jazz they don't like? Yeah, or it's just... I always say jazz is a big tent. There is lots of different kinds lots. of jazz. Yeah. I mean, I... They might not like, like bebop, but they know, might like, wow, that, that piano thing they're like, doing? I really like that. You know, or Dixieland just kind of doesn't do anything for me. I just kind of like... I like good uh, you know, good stuff. You know, I just... I don't know. Well, I mean, again, I have I hear exceptions where I go. I mean, I've been in New Orleans and gotten caught up in the moment. Yeah, have so, you? So yeah. you know. You know yeah, the action. Yeah, you know. So... You know, yeah, yeah, I can get caught up in anything if it's if it's the right moment and yeah. good enough. Yeah, yeah. But but uh, but in general, I say Dixieland. I go well. I don't know. But anyway, um, so you know, how do you dip your? What's the best way to kind of dip your toe in it? Is there is there a oh, is there a way to approach it? Do you think? That's kind of a hard question, Bill. Somebody, if somebody listen is listening to this interview and saying, "God, that Steve Williams is a really interesting guy," and those are fascinating stories. Jeez, I, I, I've missed out. I should start listening, and now it's too damn late. He's gone. He's not <laughs> yeah, here. I, I, I would try to, for those type of people, I would try to find out, maybe first of all, I'd ask, well, what kind of music do you like? Mm-hmm. And if it's, well, I've been a classic, classical listener all my life, and I, well, then I might play, like, as you may have heard me play, some classical pieces jazzed up. Mm-hmm. You know, Rachmaninoff, Beethoven. I've got jazzy versions of things, Bach and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Let's try that. I want you to hear this jazz piano trio or this solo piano. Play that particular music with that jazz feeling to it again. Remember, you can jazz up anything. You can jazz up anything just by changing the, the rhythm, the feel of it. You know, to giving it that swing feel or whatever it is, or you know what I mean. I mean, you get, but you get to some of those big Duke Ellington compositions, and uh, I mean, those are the orchestras. I mean, those are those are classical. Oh, classic! That's like classical music to it, me. It, well, I mean, it's that's it, America's it's, classical music is what they dense, call it. It's dense and heavy, and, and, uh, and, and uh, heavy in in the sense that it's um, it, it's dense. All right. It's very dense music. Now let me ask you. Is that music? Can you see that music as being danceable? Some of it, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. My father used to tell me that certain bands killed the killed the era of that music. I won't say who they are, but he says as soon as they took the dancing out of the music and made it more of a concert hall type thing instead of a dance dance yeah, band, yeah. that kind of diminished yeah. the love of the music. Yeah. yeah. Where, yeah, that's sort of, the, well, let's make this more of a museum. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. Come yeah. here. And, you know. I mean, young people are still playing this music. And when they bring, like Caleb and the Super Band kids, they'll, they might bring in a tune by some popular current group and then jazz it up, do jazz arrangements of it. Then you get these young people coming in, hey, I want to, you know, you know, I like this. These guys I had the other night in the studio. I, it's a, two brothers, 
One's still in the band. He's a so- he's a sophomore. He's only 16 years old. Plays great tenor sax. Hmm. 16. Hmm. His brother's the star bass player I was telling you about. He hmm. plays with hmm. Bruce Hornsby. He's hmm. graduated the schools here. Hmm. Park City High School. Plays bass with Bruce Hornsby. Hmm. Traveled with him. It's 20, he's 23 years old now. Yeah. But they put their music. You know, here's another quick one. Parents, you want your kids to listen to the, their music or to your music? Listen to some of their music too. Go on a ride. Yeah. Play their music. And then your music, and then a little bit of their music, and then your music, and show them that you'll also listen to theirs. If you, they'll listen to yours. Educate your kids young. Mm-hmm. My my mother, I used to say to my mother-in-law, she's a lovely woman, and you know, she would say, "I just don't understand why rock musicians uh, have to play their music so so loud. Why they have to turn it up and just blast it out there so loud." And I said, "Do you think that if Beethoven had had the ability?" The electronic ability. Do you think he not would not have done? Yes. I'm yeah. telling you, Beethoven would have. would have blasted the roof he w- off. <coughs> he would have. He would have. Yeah. He would have cranked it to eleven, baby. That's right. <laughs> I'm telling you. That's right. And it, she went, yeah. "Oh, I. Well, I guess uh, you're you're probably it, right. It's something about energy. <laughs> he would have you just know, b- tried to blow energy. the roof off, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah. He would. Yeah. 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 He would. He was. Uh, you know. Yeah. He just liked it big and loud and. Big and loud, yeah, and that's that's kind of rock. I mean, that's what they do. You yeah, know, my brother was a rock musician. I, we grew up with it, and my parents put up with it. Yeah, you know, I appreciate just, you. You know, from just, one radio guy to another. You know, by by the way, if you're trying to get into jazz, I would su- suggest don't start with Sun Ra. No, don't start with Sun Ra. I met Sun Ra. Quick story about Sun Ra. I mean, I think his stuff is pretty. It, it's, it's pretty start, interesting, yeah, yeah, but don't start. There. Yeah, no, it, it's too avant-garde for a person. <laughs> a, a guy I know brought Sun Ra to play in Salt Lake City. He mm-hmm. played two or three nights. Mm-hmm. I was a music student at the time, too. I mean, as an old guy. Mm-hmm. And in our jazz combo class, this fellow brought Sun Ra in. Now, I'm playing saxophone, and a, a woman, there was a woman sitting next to me playing saxophone, too, in our little group. Well, Sun Ra comes in, and he goes... He, he comes in, he looks around, we go, I, I know who he is, nobody else does. And he looks at her and he goes, what planet are you from? <laughs> she looks at him, huh? <laughs> Sun Ra. Uh, Earth? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just asking. You know, you know what? Go see jazz live. That's why it's important to have live concerts. What Gordon's doing such a great thing. And Stateroom, uh, Chris Motts and those guys. Mm-hmm. Go see Joe McQueen play. Joe, go, go see Joe McQueen. Mm-hmm. The Making it right there on the stage, feeling it so close and all that, watching them do that, and then you really get appreciation for the way these people handle their, handle their instruments. And there's democracy going on in that bandstand, yeah, too. I lectured it. on that one you time. See it. There's, mm-hmm. In a jazz band, there's democracy going on. That's why the Russians and the, the fascists didn't like it. The, yeah. the fascists and the, and the Nazis, they didn't yeah. like that music. Yeah. yeah, you can see it. I mean, you can see it when, like, Joe McQueen and Don Kipe and yes. those other guys play, and you can kind of see... Ryan and Brad. Kind of, a, yeah, kind of a give and take there and kind of... Watching each other and yeah. saying, "Okay, now it's time. Now, yeah, go, yeah. now you go, go, yeah. go, go." Yeah, and yeah. and a lot of this is felt be, between them, so they know when it's right. Yeah. Uh, Steve well, Williams, Bill um, Allred, pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thanks a lot. Great Thank career. You. Thank you so much. I, I'm happy. Uh, 
I feel good about my career, and I, you know, and I'm sad that management has decided not to continue it on. Yeah. But you know, it'll it'll have to pop up someplace else. Somebody's yeah. got to come along like me, mm-hmm. and say somewhere, some station, and uh, well, KRCL could do a jazz show certainly. Um, Somebody you could know, do it. You know, there's there's some stuff in the air. Mm-hmm. It's too early to talk about right now, but. There, there could be something pop up in the in the next year. I, you know, I, 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 I you know. Yeah. Steve, yeah, I mean, you can find jazz on your satellite radios and stuff, but but you still need a local angle to yeah, stuff. To that, that's promote I like the local angle anyway on anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. Thank you, Steve Williams. Thanks. Pleasure. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate uh, it. Thanks, thanks, Dylan. Thanks to the uh, Oasis Cafe. Always a great pleasure to uh, be here at the Oasis. Will the manager here? Uh, thanks to our good friend Hillary Merrill uh, for setting this up as well, and the LaSalle Group of restaurants, uh, always very hospitable to us. Uh, we're here. Uh, Oasis is between um, uh, First and Second South yes. on Fifth East, yeah. and the Golden Braid Bookstore also here. Yeah. Always good stuff at the outdoor. Yeah, it's real, and this is a perfect time of year to enjoy the uh, Oasis on the outdoor patio as well. Good music. Yep, good music in the background as we uh, uh, sit here. And uh, that's it for the Let's Go Eat Show. Thanks to Dylan for producing. And remember, if you're pouring drinks, always make mine a double. Daddy-o. Daddy-o.